And just, if you open your Bibles to uh, Philippians chapter 4, we'll continue uh, our thoughts along this line. For those who weren't here last week, we're talking about love. And we're talking about how love needs to be expressed. And uh, that's why Lynn came and shared what she said. Uh, It's that expression of care, that expression of listening to God on behalf of somebody else. Um, and that's, I think that's a powerful thing. And today we're going to think about joy. Um, and it's something else that I see in this passage in Philippians. Um, there were some things, or there are things, which I want to share into the life of the church over the next number of weeks. Um, and I just kind of felt arrested to not do that until I'd shared some thoughts from this passage in Philippians chapter 4. It just hurt me like a ton of bricks. So we talked about the importance of unity in the life of the church. We talked about the importance of love in the life of the church. And this week, I want to focus on joy. Joy is one of those foundations of the Christian faith. It's one of those things that needs to be in our lives and expressed. And my prayer is that this fellowship is a place which is known for that joy which bubbles up from within us. So let's read uh, the verses. I'm forgetting to use this thing again. Here we go. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your requests to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. These are incredible words. And Father, we just pray that you would take these words and that you would apply them to our lives. Father, that you would open up our minds and our spirits to understand. Give us eyes and ears that are receptive, hearts that are receptive to hear your word. And Father, we pray that you would speak to us today. Father, I know that I stand here as somebody who needs to hear from you. And Father, I pray that you would speak today to all of us that we might know your voice in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen. The words, the words in this passage are actually rejoice. But Philippians, as we'll look at, is a book that is full of this expression of joy. Now, what does rejoice mean? That was my, my question. In the context of the passage here, it can be better translated, be rejoicing. Be rejoicing. It's something that we do just now, and it's something that we do continually. Be rejoicing. It's something that we should be doing all the time. It should be there, present in our lives, despite the circumstances. And that's perhaps the difference between joy and happiness. The word rejoice, I actually thought, I'm going to look this up. Sometimes I do this from time to time because it's interesting to know where words actually came from. And if you go back into where the word rejoice came from, it says that in English it was used to mean at one point in time enjoying the possession of. To enjoy the possession of. I thought that's a really interesting way to express that in the context of what we're going to look at today. To enjoy the possession of. 
Joy is something which I said is foundational to our faith, foundational to being a Christian, and it's something that we should be experiencing, experiencing and living in every day. I did say that joy was a theme throughout the book of Philippians. If you take um, half an hour and read through Philippians, you will see that Paul is continually expressing his joy. And it says in Philippians chapter 1 verse 4, In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. I wonder if we can say that this morning. In all our prayers for other people, do we always pray with joy? How many can say that all the time? Or does it just become kind of mechanical and something that we do, you know, Lord bless such and such and such and such and such and such and wait to sleep. Or is there something else within us? Is there this joy through this connection that we have? Going back to thinking about unity and fellowship, going back to thinking about love and those bones and things which connect us. Is there, when we're praying for other people, that expression of joy? Paul is praying, he says, I always pray with joy because of their partnership in the gospel. We've shared a couple of stories this morning, but I don't know if you remember when we started to support Ron and Joanna Domingo, talking about partnership in the gospel. They're out in the Philippines working amongst people in a rubbish dump, and we're not there. But... When we began to support them, there was just something within Andrew that said, I really feel we should uh, take up an offering and support this couple. And really, at that point in time, at that exact point in time, it was an answer of prayer. It was an answer to prayer for this couple. And we responded and were part of the answer to that prayer. Imagine how Ron and Joanna Domingo felt when they got a communication to say, you know, we're behind you, we're giving you this money. Uh, to, to get on with the work that you're doing, to support you in the work that you're doing. Imagine how they felt when God answered their prayer at exactly the right time. It must have been incredible. And God did answer their prayer at the right time. And Paul is praying here, I always pray with joy when I think about your partnership in the gospel. The Philippian church, I may be going off my notes here, but these were people who actually supported Paul in the work that he was doing. They supported him financially and they supported him through prayer. Is it any wonder when Paul receives a gift that allows him to, to do all the things that he needs to do that he isn't filled with joy for these people when he prays for them? Imagine how the other missionaries feel that we support month by month. We support them financially and we support them through prayer. I don't know about you, but I think that must be an incredible blessing for people to have that support. But equally, it's a blessing for us to be able to give that support. We've thought about a, a few of the missionaries that we support. We, we saw a video from uh, Gowan and Sarah recently. We saw a video from Ken and Jocelyn. And last week, we saw the video from the Domingos. And we'll keep uh, highlighting these folks before you because it's important that we remember them and that we pray for them because we are partnering in the gospel with them. And even coming back to what Keith shared last week about the share of those who stay at home being the share of those who go, we're partners in this thing together. And that's why unity and love are so important. That's why this connectedness that we have together is so important. 
And Paul goes on to say in Philippians 1.7, it's right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. Again, it's this connection. There's this heart connection that Paul has with the people. I think the reason Paul has this heart connection with these people is because Paul was the person who founded the church in Philippi. He went there, he shared the gospel, and people responded to it, and a church began to grow in that place. And Paul went back and visited and supported and encouraged. He prayed, and he must have been tremendously excited to see the church grow there. As I say, the book of Philippians is full of Paul's, this expression of Paul's joy. Um, there's a big list of them, and I'm not going to go through that whole list. But he rejoices that the gospel has been preached. He rejoices in hope. He rejoices in the resurrection life. He speaks of the joy of the Philippians in the faith and in Christ. He expresses his joy when people are being like-minded. And there's a big list of instances where Paul expresses his joy. Joy should be a normal part of our experience as Christians. A healthy Christian should experience joy. A healthy church should experience and express joy. And the reason that we can express joy is because it doesn't come from within ourselves. Joy is something that comes out of our relationship with God. God is our source of joy. And we're going to think about that in just a little minute. C.S. Lewis's autobiography is called Surprised by Joy. And in it, he makes this statement, which I found quite interesting. Not quite got to the, the bottom of it yet. But then joy is never in our power, and pleasure often is, is what he says. The difference between joy and happiness. Um, if you had been in one of my assemblies, you'd have saw me use a little illustration. I did think about doing it today, but I wasn't organized in time. And I had a balloon, and I blew up the balloon, and I tied it off, and I was standing with this balloon, and I had a skewer in my right hand, okay? And I was talking to the kids as I was holding this balloon, uh, and they were, it's going to burst the balloon, right? I would see that reaction today if I actually had a real balloon, okay? Um, and the bottom line is that if I were to hit that balloon on the side, what would it do? It would just go bang, right? However, I turned the balloon around, I held it here, and I put the skewer into the balloon, and lo and behold, the skewer actually went right through the balloon and came out the other side, and the balloon was unburst. And I was trying to explain to the kids the difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is dependent on our circumstances. Happiness is dependent on so many external things, whereas joy is independent of our circumstances. Joy is something that comes up from within us and is different from happiness. And it's a difficult thing to really get our heads around. But happiness is something that we experience when things are going well, when we're sitting down with friends and having dinner, when we're in our favorite place or we're watching our favorite TV show or whatever it might be. Happiness is something that we experience and happiness is good. But joy 
is underneath happiness. Hard to explain, but hopefully we'll maybe get to the bottom of it a little bit. Bill Johnston, he actually said, God has given us a life sentence of joy with no chance of parole. There you go. You're stuck with joy. Are you happy about that? Some of you are like, I don't care. God has given us a life sentence of joy with no chance of parole, regardless of the circumstances. The Catechism, for those who are into these things, uh, asks this question, what is the chief end of man? And the answer comes back, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. The words joy and joy and rejoice are all related in some way. And the bottom line is that we are designed for relationship. We can't live in isolation. Relationship with God and relationship with one another. Which is why unity and love are so important because God has designed us to live in relationship. I remember coming across this verse in the Psalms years and years ago when we were away at a conference where it says that God puts the lonely in families. And I think, Steve, you talked about that this morning. You can be here, but maybe not here. You feel like you're somewhere else. You feel like something's happening and you're, not, you're just not connecting with it. And I really feel that what Steve shared this morning was a word for more than one person in here today. God has designed us to live in relationship with each other, in relationship with himself. And uh, relationships, as you know, can be dangerous things, especially when we begin to open ourselves up and make ourselves vulnerable in relationships and really share what's on our heart. But we can rejoice in God. We can rejoice in that personal relationship that we have with him. And I, I realized that I have jumped ahead in my notes. Right? I was struggling to get the order of these notes right uh, as I was writing them. I was like, but happiness is dependent on external things, as I said. And sometimes the external things that happen in life can be a distraction for us. I think that the devil is at his happiest when he's robbing us of our joy robbing us of peace, taking away that deep understanding, taking away that thing that's within us, or trying to extinguish it, or trying to put out the fire, or trying to cut off the source and cut off the flow. And he's happy when we're in that place of isolation, where we're not connected with each other, and when we're feeling a little bit vulnerable and weak. But the reality is that God has come into our lives, he's come into our experience, that we might know that relationship with him. And as I was preparing for today, I could hear uh, Peter Cochran's voice in my head when he said, I'm eternal, I am an eternal being trapped inside a body. For those who know Peter, you've probably heard him say that on many an occasion. I'm an eternal being trapped inside a body. The external things can be a distraction to the real life of God that, wants, that he wants to, us to, to experience and to flow in. Have you ever thought about that? The real you isn't the stuff that we see on the outside. The real you is the person that's on the inside. Because this outer thing, this shell, 
this body that Peter says we're trapped in, this body has a, a time limit on it. But the spirit that was within us, the real you, is eternal. It has no time limit. It has no use by date, best before date, sell by date. Some of us think we're past a sell by date. Well, maybe on the outside, but not on the inside. And, you know, Mary's not here today, but one of our favorite verses is, though outwardly we're wasting away, inwardly we're being renewed day by day. God is working in us to change us from the inside. And this joy that we experience is part of that work that God is doing. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 23 says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Why is there no law? Because these are the things which the life of the Spirit produces within us. I thought it was interesting that they're not the works of the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit. God has commanded us to do good works as well, and we'll think about that in, in weeks to come. But what God wants to produce in us is fruit. And if we are a healthy Christian, then we will bear this fruit. If we're connected to the source who is God, then we will bear this fruit. How does a tree produce fruit? Where does it start? What? Ah, well, how? Eternity. In the beginning, God created a tree. It was called the tree of life. And did Adam have access to the tree before he left the garden or not? There's a question. He also created another tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he ate the fruit of the tree and everything went wrong. But how, how does a tree produce fruit? Sam, you were going to say something there. I'm not sure anymore. I'm not sure anymore. What are you? It's a combination of many things, that's right. But it starts with a tree being rooted in good soil, doesn't it? The Bible tells us to be rooted and grounded in love. The tree must have roots in good soil. And then the tree begins to grow. But then the tree has a canopy, and there's the, a role in the canopy in producing fruit as well. We need to be rooted and grounded in God for us to produce this fruit, to to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit, to have the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, we need to have the Spirit working in our lives. And we need to be sensitive to that. Healthy Christians produce good fruit. Healthy churches are healthy churches because they're full of healthy Christians. Healthy Christians produce good fruit. Healthy churches produce good fruit as well. And we're going to think a bit more about that later on and uh, messages to come. You see, the Holy Spirit is our source. He is the source of joy. I hope, I hope I'm explaining this okay. Are, are people understanding what I'm saying? Okay, okay. Just checking, because I'm not sure if I'm understanding what I'm trying to say. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is that source within us, that source, that 
power that produces this life within us, that produces joy despite the circumstances. Let me read another verse from Ephesians. Oh, form behind here. Sorry. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, the real you, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Strengthened with power through the Spirit in our inner being, being rooted and established in love. We used that little expression earlier about rejoice. What does it mean? Originally it was used to mean take possession of. To take possession of. And there's a sense in which we take possession of the Holy Spirit within us. In a sense, we possess the Spirit. In a sense. Because I think it's, it's the opposite way, around, opposite way around about. He gets a hold of us and begins to do his work in us. When we become Christians, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives. And the Holy Spirit is active and alive. He is life-giving. He is fruit-bearing. The other thing that I was thinking about when it comes to joy is that, that, that joy is like a spring whose source is the Holy Spirit picture of a, a kind of natural spring up on the screen there. And there's something that comes from the very depths of our being when we have the Holy Spirit in us, this joy that comes from within us. And it says in John, and it's an interesting verse, um, whoever believes in me, Jesus is saying, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. He likens the work of the spirit, the indwelling of the spirit, to be like a stream of living water. Living water is healthy water to drink. It's continually moving. There's a continual flow. And it's like the work of God in our lives. There needs to be that continual dependence on him and there will be that continual supply. When we were thinking about temptation a number of years ago, I used this expression, whatever you feed grows. It's not an it was not an original thought. I'd heard it somewhere else, but it's very true. What you feed grows. And if we are connected to God and we are feeding that relationship with God, then that's the thing that will grow within us. And therefore, the fruit will be evident on the outside. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. All these things will be self-evident. I talked about the importance of relationships. These having having that relationship with God is is key, it's core, it's foundational. Having the, the Holy Spirit live within us is key and it's foundational. If we're going to see God do anything in our lives and in our church and in our community, then it needs to be because we have that connection to the source, that 
that joy expressed. And as I was thinking and preparing for today, I actually found myself getting really emotional on more than one occasion. And as I was praying and, and thinking about today, and it won't come across in the things that I'm sharing because it seemed to be quite independent. But just thinking about some of the people in the church, thinking about some of you folks, thinking about some of the things that people are going through, uh, and I found it quite moving, actually. But God has his hand on this church for a reason and for a purpose. Why do we have joy? Because the Holy Spirit lives within us. But then I thought, there's another reason why I have joy. And it's because I know that my sins have been forgiven. I know that God has come in the person of Jesus Christ to rescue me from all the baggage, from all the rubbish, from all the things that I think and say and do, from all the times when I just go bleh and then wish I hadn't. From all those times, God has come to deliver me and to rescue me and to set me free from those things. And it made me think of this hymn that we sing and in the verse it says, My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin not in part but the whole is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O oh my soul. And then we go on to sing the chorus, It is well with my soul. And that's why we can have joy. Having that connection with God, having sin confessed and dealt with, knowing that we can be free from all of the stuff that the devil would accuse us of. And this theme of joy is not just restricted to the church at Philippi, and I'm almost finished. In Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, he says the, the same thing. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And those of you who know us as a family well will know that this verse was one of those foundational scriptures at a really difficult time, or just before a really difficult time in our life. And I'll not go into all that, but if you've not heard that story, come and ask and I'll tell you. Be joyful always. Pray continually. In every circumstance, give thanks. Every circumstance. And my personal experience with this verse is in looking for things to be thankful for in every circumstance, in praying those prayers of thankfulness to God in every circumstance, that that joy, which we can't manufacture ourselves, came up from within. Did I feel happy in a sad time? No, I felt sad. My emotions were sad emotions. For those who've seen the film, is it Inside Out? The film Inside Out, right? <laughs> if you've seen that, hands up if you've seen it. Because I always talk about films that nobody's seen. And some people have seen Inside Out. And, you know, it's, it's all about happiness. Happiness wants to rule the, the whole show. But then happiness realises that because she's not been allowed in sadness to do her thing, that it's actually wrecking everything. There are times where we are sad. And there are times where we need to be sad because that's what's going on in our lives. 
But even in the sadness, we can be joyful. It sounds like a contradiction, doesn't it? But by giving thanks in every circumstance, regardless of what's happening, and there are some people in our world who are going through some horrific things, brothers and sisters in Christ who have been uh, persecuted, who are facing death every day. It's a reality for them. Maybe a prayer for, for them, or part of it should be, that they find things to give thanks to God for. I, I just, time and time again, I find myself having to be thankful as I think about what God has done, how God has blessed me. To pray continually, not just when we come to church, not just in the morning or at night or whenever you do your prayers, but continually, pray continually, giving thanks in every circumstance. And being joyful always. It's something that comes from inside of us. But we need to stay connected to the source. We need to stay connected to him. He is the one who accomplishes this within us. And my prayer today, and I don't know if I've explained this properly, um, or, or if you've maybe grasped what I'm trying to get at here today, but simply, simply put, it's about getting stuck into God and allowing him to produce these things within us. We can't manufacture it. We can't do it in our own strength. It's not by uh, might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And it's so true in every area of life as a Christian. All the things that we want to see happening. Let's stay connected to him. And may joy be the expression of this fellowship here. May this fellowship be known for joy. May we as Christians, when we go into the workplace, into the school, into the university, into our street and our community, wherever God takes us, may we be known to be a people who express that deep joy, regardless of the circumstances. It's a powerful witness when we can exhibit and express that joy, regardless of the circumstances. I think that's what happened in this situation with this family. This little child who's only four. That expression of joy despite the circumstances. That expression of faith and hope despite the circumstances. And I pray that this lady and her wee boy come to know God for themselves. Despite the circumstances. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for just this incredible gift that you have given us, this gift of your Holy Spirit. And Father, I pray today that if there are folks in here who've never invited you into their heart, who've never invited the Holy Spirit into their heart, that they would do that today. And Father, that you would just come in. Father, we thank you that our sins have been dealt with on the cross and you call us into that relationship with yourself. Father, we thank you that you call us into that incredible depth of relationship with yourself. And your desire is to pour out your spirit in our lives. Father, that regardless of the circumstances, regardless of what we face, that we know that deep-seated joy within us. Father, that we know that peace which it talks about in Philippians. Father, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving to express our needs and desires to you. And Father, your word says that that peace which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Father, that there will be that guard 
around our spirit, that peace of God which guards us, which surrounds us, which guards our heart, which brings that protection at the very source. Father, we pray that that would be our experience day in and day out. Father, we pray that you just open up our understanding in these things, but open up our experience in these things. Father, for those, Father, for those today who have maybe never really experienced what has been shared, Lord, I pray that they would experience it for themselves. And Father, they might know that incredible joy that comes through fellowship with you. Father, the joy that comes through fellowship with brothers and sisters as we share with one another, just like Lynn's friend shared with her, just the incredible joy that comes through things like that. That incredible reality, uh, realization, should I say, of your love and care over us. Father, may we be filled with examples of these incredible works that you're doing in our midst. Father, we thank you. Lord, we pray that as we come to communion, Lord, as we take bread and wine, Father, we pray, again, open up our eyes that we might see you afresh, that we might grasp who you are afresh. And Father, just as we were praying earlier before the service, thinking about those two on the road to Emmaus and how Jesus opened up the scriptures to them and explained all the things concerning himself. But then, Father, when he broke bread with them, their eyes were opened. There was that moment of revelation. And Father, I pray that as we break bread together, that there be revelation in this place today, that our understanding would be enlightened. Father, that it be that work of your Spirit. I'm just going to read a few verses. Maybe you just want to stay with your eyes closed and... Um, just meditate on, on the words that we're saying. And it's verses from Psalm 22, just reading them fairly recently. And you'd almost think it was Jesus who was speaking here. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, and I'm not silent, and I'm not silent. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by men and despised by the people. All who see me mock, they hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions, tearing their prey, open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water, all my bones are out of joint. My heart is turned to wax. It has melted away within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men has encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. People stare and glow over me. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. And Father, just as we think about these words, we see Jesus speaking through the writer of the psalm. And Father, we recognize that these words were not just ordinary words, but Father, words that were, were prophetic and words that came to pass in the person of Jesus. 
And we thank you for Jesus today. Father, we thank you for his blood which was shed on our behalf. And Father, we thank you that this psalm does not finish with those words, but goes on to reflect perhaps what was in Mary's prayer. The poor will eat and be satisfied. They who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. Father, we pray that as we take these symbols which remind us of the body and blood of Jesus, Father, may we eat and be satisfied. Father, we pray that as we take these symbols, Father, may we seek you and find you. Father, we pray, open up our eyes as we take bread and wine, we ask. In Jesus' name.